Probably a couple of you have heard me tell a story about one of the um, shows that we streamed uh, that I found uh, during this kind of odd season of the last couple of years uh, called Alone. And Alone is this kind of odd survival show. It's about surviving in, in the wilderness. And it is, um, you take these contestants that, that audition, they try out, and they, they, before the show even starts, they, they test them in their survival skills. Are they actually able to make a fire? Are they actually able to make a shelter without any normal tools? And they, they put them through some tests, and then they have this area of the wilderness, and they, they give each single person about a five square mile area to themselves and then they just see who is the last person that is still able to hack it out in the wilderness and uh, it's really really something else and some of these people are folks that have a a business it's like it's their career to teach outdoor survival skills Um, but so often uh, through this people quit And much of the time, people quit because they miss the people in their lives. Even even those that are more introvert than extrovert, even those that are um, really like to be alone and and clearly have a lot of broken relationships, they they quit because they miss being around people. And you know, that that, uh, show, it's interesting how many how many contestants end up creating a, a music instrument or different ways to entertain themselves and different objects out, out of, you know, whatever branches they find on the ground or, or whatnot. And, um, but it made me think a little bit, as we're going to turn to Psalm 68, it made me think a little bit about ancient life. And it made me think about what it, what it means to have a place for us. And that's the title of today's message, A Place for Us. And really, in ancient life, it was this core group of people, these relationships that defined a place for us. If you think about it, in this, you find a small group of people and you say, okay, so here's this, we find this valley between a river and, and a line of trees, a forest, so we're going we're gonna to live in this area. And it's relationships with the context of of, of finding provision and protection, right? It's, we got to find a f- shelter and, and what we're going to eat and, and all of those things, right? You're starting, starting off with that uh, plant-based diet and you got your hunter-gatherer. But often what would happen with uh, people in, in a much of the world is that they would find an area like that, that to plant and then harvest. And then as the colder temperatures came, they would move towards what we now call the equator to a warmer area for winter. So it really wasn't even so much the shelters that they built that was defined as a place for us. It was this close-knit group of people that were saying, hey, these, these are the people that I'm going to make home with. Does that make sense? It's a place for us. And, and Psalm 68 is actually one of the most complex of all the Psalms. One of the most complex of David's psalms when you analyze the original language. But it was, it's one that was actually for a specific purpose. And that purpose was the Philistines had been at war with the Israelites. And in that, God had allowed them to take 
what was called the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant was this God-inspired piece of furniture designed for a number of reasons, but the principal reason being for a place of meeting with God, a place where God said, I'm going to live among you. I'm going to live among you. And this psalm is when David has taken back the ark from the Philistines after 20 years of them having it, and he's bringing it back into the city of Jerusalem. And this psalm was one that was, would have been sung as they had this procession, this big important event for bringing the presence of God back into the city uh, because they had learned that God wanted to live among them in a very real sense. And it, it was a lesson learned. It was something more meaningful than the, the, the reviews you read on Amazon by someone who has bought something that you are looking at buying. It was, hey, we learned this about God. This is what God wants and this is what God does. And when we turn to this psalm, I think it, it's really helpful to read about the characteristics of who God is. And last week we talked about enjoying God, thinking about who God is and what God has done. That's what we talked about last week. And so that's what this psalm is set up for. And um, so I want to just take a look at it here. And verse 4, sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. Now, this is, remember, this is a praising of God through the procession of bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And so we're going to, they're saying, hey, everybody praise God. And remember, this is who we have found God to be. And it's recalling things like the exodus from their exile in Egypt and the times in the wilderness, in dry places, right? Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. It's very interesting that in this time of national identity and big picture things, that it's, it's not actually the exodus from the exile in Egypt that is the focus, but they allude to it, but they say we have found God to be a person who creates a place for us who have been lonely. Have you ever been lonely? I, I have been lonely. I, I had a, a job traveling full-time for work for eight years, and it was a lot of fun, and at times I could be in a crowd and still feel lonely because the people were people I'd only met a day before. Could be in a busy airport, I could be in a hotel, I could be in a big city and still feel lonely because I was apart from my people. And I think if we're honest, if there's one of the impacts of the last couple years has been that it has made isolation easier than ever. And what comes with isolation, regardless of to what degree we're an extrovert or introvert, regardless of to whatever degree, we choose to be apart from relationships because people have hurt us. Loneliness is not what God desires for you. God loves you. God has wired you for relationship. And what we see here is that they had learned 
that God was a person who would bring people without relationship into relationship. It's really interesting. You think about David who writes this. Who are his great-grandparents? His great-grandparents are Ruth and Boaz. Ruth was widowed. And in, in that society, to be a widow was a very serious thing. It was a significant challenge. Not only of loneliness, but also in, the, 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 in that patriarchal society, the difficulty of provision. And we see in this really important moment, David lifting up that God is the defender, the protector, the provider for those who are in need, for those who have found failure in human relationships through circumstance or through choice or through whatever means, so a child who is now without their biological parents, a spouse who is now without their spouse, their romantic partner, someone who is without family, without loved ones, without a tribe. In this moment, they say God is the one who provides a place for us. And for ancient people, the context of close personal relationships was of significant value. God doesn't want us to be lonely. God doesn't want us to be lonely. God made himself available, made himself available to be to them someone that no one else can be. Did you know that God can be to you someone that no one else can be? God made himself available, but even at the end, we see this father of the fatherless, protector of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. Uh, some translations, the lonely into families. He leads out prisoners to prosperity. And the last phrase is, is tragic, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. It, it's recognizing the reality that some people choose to reject God and as a result do experience loneliness. Let's look at a, a couple of other translations of this that I find helpful to get a sense that God wants to bring us to a place that's for us. Sing to God, sing praises to His name, extol Him who rides on the clouds by His name, Yah, and rejoice before Him, a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Here's another look at it. Sing hymns to God, all heaven. Sing out. Clear the way for the coming of Cloud Rider. Enjoy God. Cheer when you see Him. Father of orphans, champion of widows, is God in His holy house. God makes home for the homeless, leads prisoners to freedom. God provides a place for us. The theme of this psalm is a victorious God who lives among the people, taking care of people. They learned that God provides, God protects, God shows love faithfully. God wants to live among His people in a loving, committed relationship. Up close and personal, not distant. 
God can be someone to you that no one else can. God wants to make available to you this loving, committed relationship. And we learn that because of Jesus, we have direct access to the presence of God. Wherever you are, whatever is going on, when I believe that Jesus is Savior, when I confess my wrongs and turn from it, when I, when I receive the forgiveness, when I believe that Jesus is Savior, we've got direct access to the living God. God has done so much to make a way, make a way to be among us, present with us, to provide a place for us. And as a local church family, what are we seeing? God is bringing us together taking next steps and following Jesus to be a place where we can belong. A place where we can be healed and refreshed. A place where we can love and be loved. A place where we can welcome others to. See, we learn something about God here. And we learn something about what it means for us now as Jesus followers to be a spiritual community. And what we should be about because we see what God cares about, what God is doing, and what God wants to now do in us. God has not changed. God wants to do that among us in our gathering, in our local church. He wants that to do that among us, and that must be our heart, that we would make a place for those who are lonely, that we would make space in our lives, in our time, in our energy, in our resources to be welcoming in. God always instructed his people, even throughout the Old Testament, how to welcome in those who were from other ethnicities, other cultures, other ancestries, who didn't have resources, how to welcome them into the fellowship, welcome them in. Even David's great-grandmother was not an Israelite. She was not a Hebrew. She was welcomed into the genealogy of Jesus Christ Because this is who God is. The one who makes a place for us. God doesn't want us to be lonely. Okay, halftime break. How many churches are there in Baltimore? There's two and a half million people in the metro area of Baltimore. How many churches do you think there are? What? 250, okay. 500? 1,000? <laughs> it's an oddly specific number. There's one. It's Sunday, right? There's one. I want you to hear in your spirit today because God is doing something in this city. Daniel and I were at a prayer meeting yesterday with believers from around the city. Listen, God is doing something in this city. There is one church. And among all of us, God is calling out to us, would you come into this place? Come into a place where you can be healed and refreshed and restored. A place where you can love and be loved. A place that you can belong. A place where you... And I'm not talking about the buildings. I'm talking about the context of the relationship. Because to ancient people, when God said... And when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you... They did not register just walls, right? Now they thought about heaven, and he talks about it as being a city, right? The city of our God. But it's not a place without relationships, right? 
If this building is empty, it's not what Jesus would call a church, right? It's the relationships. It's that context of God. God being with us, among us, that's the place for us. And it's a, it should be beautiful, inspiring, lovely, restoring, healing that which we want to invite others to. So it is these things, and it is more. This, speech, this passage speaks to who God is, what God values, what God is doing, and what God yet desires to do through us. It speaks to the kind of activity God wants to inspire us to. And that is to meet the practical needs of people. We're not just to make it, oh, it's just spiritual, it's just a concept. God is the one who provides and protects for people who don't have a spouse, for people who don't have a parent, for people who are homeless. No, 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 God wants to inspire us out of loving joy to take practical action to meet real needs. Right? Because, you know, people are not going to care that you say you care until they see that you care. Are you with me? There was a very interesting person in Christian history, John Chrysostom. John, who they called Chrysostom, which actually means golden mouth, because he's considered to be the best preacher of the ancient world. John Chrysostom, when he was a little, when he was very, very young, his father died, and he was raised by his mother. And he writes about this passage because to be orphaned was something very meaningful to him. John was born in Antioch. He became a part of the Antioch church. You may remember that's the first place people use the word Christian. He's born in Antioch. He becomes a pastor in Antioch in his life. He becomes the leader, the bishop of all the churches in Antioch. And then the historical rumor is that the church of Constantinople, a city that was very wealthy, actually kidnapped him, put him in chains, and took him to Constantinople to be their bishop. We don't know if it's fact, but that's the rumor. So he becomes the bishop of Constantinople. Now Constantinople, the, the church there, was highly organized, patriarchal, and wealthy had a lot of money, and was known for having lavish banquets with politicians and the wealthy people. And the church had all this gold, gold plates and gold silver, we call silverware, they had goldware, right? They had all these things. And when John Chrysostom was made the bishop there, he didn't like that practice. He didn't think it represented the teachings of Jesus. And so he sold the gold plates the goldware, the knives, the forks, and he gave the money to the poor. And he instituted a bunch of different ministries to serve the poor. Well, the wealthy people of Constantinople, including leaders in the church, they didn't like this very much because they liked their parties. And so they sent him into exile. And so John Chrysostom, and this is would be uh, one of the letters that he wrote, he wrote letters to the Christians in Constantinople, which now included a bunch of people that had been poor that had been led to faith. He wrote letters to them and encouraged them, and that included encouragement to avoid the sin of greed. And this ticked off the leaders of Constantinople, so they sent him further into exile, into these snowy mountains, and the travel actually is what killed him. 
But in one of his letters on this subject, here's what he wrote. Love for the downtrodden? What do I mean? If you ever wish to associate with someone, make sure that you do not give your attention to those who enjoy health and wealth and fame as the world see it, sees it. But take care of those in affliction, those in critical circumstances, those in prison, those who are utterly deserted and enjoy no consolation. Put a high value on associating with these, for from them you shall receive much profit. You will be a better lover of the true wisdom, and you will do all for the glory of God. And you, if you must visit someone, prefer to pay this honor to orphans, widows, and those in want, rather than to those who enjoy reputation and fame. God has said, I am the father of orphans and the protector of widows. Again, judge for the fatherless, defend the widow, then come and let us talk, says the Lord. John Chrysostom says, if you're going to be generous, be generous to people who can't pay you back. Be generous to people for whom there is no reason for you to have an agenda to be generous to them. You're not going to get anything out of it. So we enter to this political season. Believe it or not, even I as a pastor get courted by different politicians who want me to jump on board with what they're doing because it's a political chip at play. They want me to influence you to their campaign. It's not what we're about. We want to show the love of Jesus starting with to those for whom we have no agenda other than just to show the love of Jesus. Why? That sounds strange. Well, that ties into what I want to suggest is our response to who God is, the provider and the protector for those whom cannot do it for themselves. Number one, receive the love of God. You feel any lack in your spirit today? Receive the love of God. Carve out more time and energy. Receive the love of God. Spend time with God. Last Sunday we talked about enjoying God. Reach out, talk to somebody in here about how to do that and what songs to listen to, what verses to read, what different ways you can receive the love of God. Spend time with the God who has provided a place for us. A God who wants to live up close and personal, not distant from you. Receive the love of God. And from that place, respond by sharing God's love. Share God's love. I know even as we live stream this service, there's one person who always shares it, and even that share on social media is an attempt to share the love of God. You think about this week, what am I going to do this week to share the love of God? Not your love, the love of God. Share the love of God with someone else. What can I do to be active in providing a place for others? In making these relationships a place where a person can be known, listened to, loved, 
a place for us. Received by sharing God's love. In a practical sense, here's what I'm talking about. Be a good friend who listens. Rebecca and I do this particularly in our neighborhood with our neighbors. And it is a lot of fun. It's so fulfilling to be a good friend who listens right in your neighborhood. What a difference it makes for someone to have someone else listen to them. It makes a wonderful difference. And we can do that for each other. In fact, today, we want to do something unique. After service, Rebecca and I want to invite all of you that are here right across the street over to the playground. I want you to come and hang out with us and fellowship with us. I know a lot of times we do it here in the building, out on the sidewalk. Let's go right across the street to the playground and all of us just hang out for a little bit here in just a few minutes. We brought some water, there's hand sanitizer, there's a variety of different things that we brought just to try to make it as easy as possible. Let's spend a little bit of time and let's be good friends who listen to each other. We can put this into practice here, find it encouraging, and then take it into our week. Be a good friend who listens. And then what you also see here on the screen is find a need and meet it. Find a need and meet it. When you you listen to people, you will often, if you're paying attention, you will discover what a need is. What's something that they could use some help with. And when you find something that they need help with, meet it. And if you don't have the resources to meet it, call up your church family. Let's find a way to meet it. Let's get creative. Let's pool resources. Find a need and meet it. You've got to look for people in your life. Look for people in your life that have a need. Let's be compassionate. Let's be loving. And let's find a way to meet needs, to love those practically. Now also, uh, many of you would know that we have for years um, underwritten the cost of the care, education, and health care for a young man, um, almost Gideon's age, whose life was radically impacted by the earthquake in Haiti. And there's a, a group down there called Wings of Refuge, and for years and years we've helped make a difference to, to pay the cost of his care. And it's been so great. He's been able to be reunited with his extended family in such a a wonderful and restorative and holistic way. And we we continue to pay the cost of that nonprofit and what they're doing down there and helping families. There's entrepreneurial help. There's life skill help. And and I'm so glad that we're a part of that. And we're we're now just now becoming also connected with here in Baltimore City, a, a group of people that are meeting the needs of those who are coming over from Afghanistan that are fleeing the difficulties of life in Afghanistan. So you make a donation to this church and we'll, we'll be sharing the details as these things come available. And um, I think it'll probably also turn into some opportunities for us to give furniture or go help people move or, or, or even help them find homes. And we're going to find more and more ways to meet the needs that are real. 
that are practical, that make a difference. And in particular, that it's not, we're not trying to get something out of it. We're saying thank you for what God has done. So I want to close with these two passages of Scripture from Psalm 68 and to pray for us today. So I know this might sound a little challenging. Verses 19 and 20. Praise the Lord. Praise God our Savior. For each day He carries us in His arms. Our God is a God who saves. The Sovereign Lord rescues us from death. It's who God is. Sing to the One who rides across the ancient heavens His mighty voice thundering from the sky. Tell everyone about God's power. His majesty shines down on Israel. His strength is mighty in the heavens. God is awesome in His sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to His people. Praise be to God. As I close in prayer, feel free to just have yourself in, in a receiving posture. God wants to give you strength and power. Strength and ability that you don't have in yourself. Because God is the God who provides a place for us. God is the God who wants us to be a part of providing a place for others. Lord, we come before you and confess that at times we find ourselves distracted, more focused on our own problems than anything else with this world, and it seems like really good reasons. But God, we know that you have a greater purpose for our life, that indeed you want to provide and you want to protect. Indeed, you want to bring healing and restoration. But God, we also choose to believe in listening to your Scripture today that you want to give us strength and ability that we don't have in ourselves. And so, Lord, we just receive from you. We say, God, we're open to what you have for us. And we make a commitment that we will be generous because we are so appreciative of what you've done. Thank you, God, for what you've done among us. Lord, you are good. We love you. We celebrate the miracles you have done. And we believe that miracles are to come. Thank you, God for all that you've done to provide a place for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. All right, thank you so much for being here today. Please greet somebody, share love and encouragement with them. Parents, let's go ahead and get our kids from the city class. And again, Rebecca and I just want to invite everyone to come and spend a little bit of time chatting in the, in the park or the playground right across the street. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.